Hello, this is Dale Connolly from The Morning Show with our weekly podcast. And this time around, we'll hear some things that are new from Bud Buck and Tony Bennett, items related to the election and the third in the series of presidential debates. And we'll also hear some moments from our archive from 10 years ago, thoughts about insurance you could take out to protect everyone from your compulsions, and a survey that the IRS might have used back in 1998, but didn't. At least we don't think they did or haven't yet. But we can always hope. Stay with us. This is the morning show on Minnesota Public Radio, and the current in the Twin Cities... Joining us now for a live report on the election, our chief political correspondent, Bud Buck. Bud? Bud Buck here in downtown St. Paul to do another man or woman in the street interview, hoping to get a sense of the mood of the electorate with just two weeks to go before the presidential election. Oh, here he comes. Timing is very, very, very important. Excuse me, sir. Ah! What? Uh, Bud Buck here from Minnesota Public Radio. Could you spare a few moments to answer a question oh. or two about it, sir? Sir? Huh. He ran away from me like he was frightened or, or something. Well, Bud, it it still is dark outside. Well, so I have an early deadline. Well, yeah, right, but to be approached by a strange man on a dark downtown street is understandably frightening for a lot of people. Well, I'm not actually on the street. I start out crouched behind some garbage cans, and oh. when they get close enough, uh, that's when I quickly step into the light and pose my question. They well, can see me perfectly yes, clear. Why, why do you do it that way, bud? Well, I'm trying to get a natural, unguarded reaction. I'm hoping people won't have time, you know, to plan their answers. But what if you, what if you stayed in the pool of light so people could see you from a little farther off? Maybe that would help. Well, when I do that, they just keep crossing the street, and my cord just doesn't reach that far. Yeah, well, there's another thing. Are, are you actually... Waving your microphone around at people when you do this? Well, I wouldn't say waving it around, uh, but I do point it at them. Uh, I mean, I have to get it out there quick to pick up the answer because they're running away so fast. Oh, hang on. Here comes another one. Excuse me, ma'am. Obama or McCain? Ah! Wow. Boy, she just yelled right in my ear. Well, bud, maybe you should have introduced yourself first. Tell if she shrieked closer to the moment I said Obama or McCain. Because I think that was the first real political opinion I've received all day today. Again, you know, I think maybe that was less about politics and more about confusion and shock and raw fear. Why, yes, I think it is. The voters are obviously fearful about what we can only guess. It's about that, you. Well, we don't know. Their fear is so great. Who knows? All they can do is blurt out their exclamations of horror as they run into the distance. It might be about economy. It could be about the choice they have. It might even relate to the environment. But one thing is certain, fear is the major, major factor in this election. From the street in St. Paul... Wait a minute. I I think before you go, I think the record really has to show. In this case, people are probably fearful primarily of you and not one of the candidates. It's you, bud. You are the scary one. Well, let's let's not make it personal, okay? From the street in St. Paul, this... This is Bud Buck. This is a familiar tune. Just recognize it. Uh, someone to watch over me. Someone to watch over me, which is the role, really, that an insurance company plays, watching over you, being there for you if something unpredictable should happen. And that's the job of 
Lloyd's of Monday, specialty insurance for the day of mistakes. Let's suppose you attained some exalted position. You worked your whole life to become, oh, let's see, not the leader, but uh, the secretary treasurer of the free world. And nobody ever wants that job, so it's uh, actually possible. That's right. Secretary treasurer is always a difficult job to fill, and it's the perfect job for you. You handle the books beautifully, you get the meeting minutes out promptly, and the whole free world largely approves of your performance, but but you've got an embarrassing weakness. Now, what would that be? Um, um, Girl Scout cookies? You buy it, that's it. You buy a dozen Girl Scout cookies, and uh, one Monday morning, the Girl Scout delivers your order, and it includes a 13th box, which you did not pay for, and you realize the error right away, but you keep quiet because you're greedy and weak and cheap and compulsive, and all you can think about is devouring those free extras. Well, I would probably eat all the cookies in about 10 days, and I would feel like I had gotten away with something. Uh Uh-huh. But as you know, eventually, someone always figures it out. Oh, yes. And you are questioned about this, and because it's Monday again when the questioning happens, and it's the day of mishaps and mistakes and errors and poor judgment, you lie, even though you are under oath. Uh, Your Honor, I don't remember receiving any extra boxes of cookies. Uh, I believe I had just the 12 boxes, and because, well, I have an enormous appetite for this sort of thing, all the evidence is, well, it's gone, so you'll just have to take my word for it. But then, a shocker, the evidence isn't gone. A souvenir hunter discovers 13 empty boxes of Thin Mints in your trash and reports you, and you are caught in a public deception, which grew out of a silly weakness. You could have avoided it if you'd used good judgment, but no. And because you walked into a trap, you're forced to resign your position as secretary-treasurer of the free world, and off you go in disgrace. All your money and property go to pay your legal fees, your life. Your life is a ruin. But it's okay. I can recover a lot of that wealth because, well, I'm insured against slavish obedience to my foolish compulsions. See? I have a policy. Ah, yes, you were smart to take out a slavish obedience to my foolish compulsions policy. Well, I've had this compulsion for a long time. Uh Uh-huh, but you took that out with a standard insurance company, and that means you have to take a careful look at the fine print, okay? Uh, Because you stole the extra box of cookies on a Monday and then decided to lie about it on another Monday, you're not covered. I'm not? No, you're not covered. You know, many insurance companies will not cover costly errors in judgment that happen on a Monday because statistics show that Monday is the worst day of the week for judgment, whether you're the secretary treasurer of the free world or just an average schmo. Lloyd's of Monday, specialty insurance for the day of mistakes and poor judgment. Good advice for all of us to visit the Lloyd's office nearby as soon as possible, although, of course, they are closed on Monday. It's too risky to open a place of business on a day like this when people stumble in and make silly errors. So they've taken that step to protect themselves, but stop by tomorrow. It's Tuesday, and they're open all day. This is the morning show on Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Dale Connolly. Mr. Jim Ed Poole here. Morning. There is an item in USA Today today about the new customer-friendly Internal Revenue Service under pressure from Congress to improve the way it treats taxpayers. The commissioner, Charles Rossetti, 
says the IRS has to start looking at everything we do from the taxpayer's perspective rather than from our own viewpoint. And in keeping with that, it's expected the IRS will announce today a plan to survey taxpayers to find out how they enjoyed the audit experience. There is nothing attached to this article that describes in any kind of detail how that survey will read, and it occurred to me that maybe they haven't finished it, so I thought maybe we would offer our own version. Hello. We at the IRS would like to thank you for your cooperation in your recent audit. In order to make our auditing procedures more enjoyable for our customers, we ask that you take a few moments to fill out a brief survey telling us how we did. Was the letter notifying you of your audit A. Pleasant and respectful B. Businesslike C. Dark and ominous D. Spiteful E. Signed in blood Describe the phone call to schedule your audit on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 representing a call from an old friend, 5 a computerized telemarketing call, and 1 more resembling a ransom call from kidnappers. Choose a name from the following list that best describes the IRS officer who conducted your audit. Mr. Rogers, Mr. Clean, Mr. Magoo, Mr. Spock, Mr. Ed, Mr. Dithers, Mr. B. L. Zabub. Which of the following statements most accurately describes your feelings about the experience of being audited? Was it like A. A stroll in the park B. A run through the park C. A desperate run through the park at night D. Crawling through the park on hands and knees over broken glass E. Being staked out on an anthill in the park and left for dead in the midday sun the tone of the questioning during your audit could most aptly be described as akin to A, a heart-to-heart talk with a close friend or sibling, B, a TV quiz show, C, a Sunday morning TV talk show, D, a weekday afternoon TV talk show, or E, the Inquisition. If you were found to be in violation of the law, rate the response of your IRS inquisitor from 1 to 10, with 1 being sympathetic and concerned, Five being neutral, and ten being in-your-face, fist-pumping, hip-gyrating, end-zone, victory-dance mockery. If, at the end of your audit, you were handcuffed and led to the lockup, were the handcuffs A, snug but comfortable, B, ill-fitting, C, heavy, D, sharp-edged, or E, I have no feeling in my fingers? Thank you for filling out this questionnaire about your IRS audit. Your answers will be used by our customer service department to refine and improve our procedures and to make the experience less memorable and more user-friendly. And if you should consider an audit in the future, we hope you'll choose IRS. It's about nine minutes before 8 o'clock on this Thursday. And hey, look who's here. It's Tony Bennett. Hey, I, I, you know, maybe I could sense that you were thinking about me, so uh, I appeared right. like a genie. <laughs> did, you, uh, Poof. <laughs> did you watch... Did you watch the debate last night, Tony? No, no. I, yeah. I think I was doing a show somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that it yeah. all blurs. So you don't yeah. follow politics then? No. You know, in show business, you're not supposed to follow children, animals, or politics. Well, I don't mean who you follow out on the stage. No. That's not what I'm talking That's not the kind no. of follow I mean. I mean, do you pay attention to politics? Do you talk to your audience about politics and who you support and all that? Yeah, I have opinions, but uh-huh. uh, what I really want to do, you know, is sing, you know, to bring people together, uh-huh. not divide them. That's that's what I'm all about. Well, but, you know, in a way, that even that is taking a political 
position because the idea of bringing people together is an, is an issue this year in the campaign. They say they want to bring people together. They want to work across the partisan divide. Well, why don't they just sing? That's <laughs> what I do. Bring people well, I think you know the answer to that. To why <laughs> politicians don't sing. You know the answer. I mean, now if you yeah. were to sing a unifying song of yeah. some sort, I mean, maybe the I campaign can... would be kinder and, and gentler. Well, you know, I can't be responsible for the tone of the campaign. Well, I know you can't be responsible. I sing love songs, yeah. Dale, about the human heart. Uh-huh. I look at this election and I think about all those people giving their hearts away to the candidates. And then and then come November 4th, what happens? A whole bunch of them will have their hearts broken. It's just terrible. That's that's why, and I love democracy, uh-huh. but I, I can't help seeing Election Day as a really emotional day for so many people. It's like it's like you've been dating someone, you know, for a few weeks or months, and in one day you find out if there's a future for your relationship. It just... Wow. Like a genie. <laughs> exactly. When you put it that way, it seems yeah. so significant in another entirely different aspect. Yeah. yeah. And on that day after, all, you know, a whole bunch are giddy uh-huh. and happy because they won. Yeah. And the others are just crushed. Absolutely crushed. Yeah. And I know you want me to soothe things out before the election, you know, with the unifying song. Right. Artists could do us a national service by being available that day after Election Day. That's that's when you really need a song, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the day after the election could be Mend Your Heart with a Love Song yeah. Day, especially if you're on the side that loses. Well, everybody wants to be a winner, and that's, that's human nature, you know. And when you fail, well, a song is a beautiful thing. So if your candidate were to go down in flames, you know, I mean, uh, not to mention your specific candidate, but I suppose you would wind up feeling like a chump. Everyone would, so. So, Tony, what uh, kind of song would you <laughs> sing for the pathetic Losers. Oh, Jim Ed. No, no, we don't no, want to no, rub wait, it that's in. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, no, I, it, uh, I don't like to think of them as losers, you know, but rather as people who loved too much. <laughs> voters. Love too much. Voters who love too much. Yeah, so yeah. I have a song for them right now. Even though you don't know who the so-called losers will be at this point, of course. No, and any of us could be losers, yes, you know. Right, you know that's that. True. That's, that's politics. Yes. And, you have and to be love. ready for that. Yeah. So here's uh, something that I think a little soothing uh-huh. to schmear on the hurt. Okay. Maestro! Hit it. I forgot the words at the beginning. That's what I was humming. For a while. <laughs> I know, but you covered it so, yeah, so it beautifully. Came. And I just, you know, I, th- I just want to thank you for being willing to magically appear to us whenever we think of you or, or say your name. That's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here to support the morning show. And uh-huh. now it's time to disappear. Okay. Here I go. Okay. So I still see you though. What? You're, you're right. <laughs> I still. You didn't. It didn't work. Didn't, didn't actually. Didn't actually vanish this time. Let me try it again. Let me. Okay. Let me go over here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poof. Okay. I still see you though, because now he's gone. And that's this week's podcast. 
Thanks to Jim Ed Poole for the characters. And all of the scripts were written by yours truly, Dale Connolly. Our broadcast producer was Mike Pangra for the 1998 segments. Our broadcast producer was Sylvester Visick. And online, all of it produced by Michael Wells. The morning show is broadcast Monday through Friday, 5 to 9 a.m. on 89.3 The Current in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Most of our show is also on Minnesota Public Radio's region-wide network and, of course, is heard worldwide online through our website, minnesotapublicradio.org. There will be another podcast for you in one week. See you then.